Well, I had the opportunity before service to talk to several of you. And in that conversation, many of you said, Pastor, I've been really going through some things in my life. And I'm struggling. And I'm not really sure, some have said, I'm not really sure where to go from here. Well, it's interesting that you would say that to your pastor because today God laid this on my heart and my title is Trust the Test. Trust the Test. A man who lived on Long Island was able one day to satisfy a lifelong ambition by purchasing for himself a very fine and expensive barometer. When the instrument arrived at his home, he was extremely disappointed to find that the indicating needle appeared to be stuck, pointing to the sector marked hurricane. After shaking the barometer very vigorously several times, its new owner sat down and wrote a scorching letter to the store from which he had purchased the instrument. He was making sure they understood that he was not satisfied with the product because it's broke. The following morning, on the way to his office in New York, he mailed the letter. That evening he returned to Long Island to find not only the barometer missing, but his house also. The barometer's needle hadn't, had been right. It wasn't stuck. There really was a hurricane. He didn't trust the barometer, and because of this, he was not prepared for the future. Let me say it again. He didn't trust the barometer, and because of this, he was not prepared for the future. Trust the test. Because if you don't, you will not be prepared for your future. Job is a man in the Bible that God trusted with the test. God said to Satan, you can do anything you want to him, but you have to spare his life. And Satan unleashed fury upon Job. Job lost his oxen, his camels, and his sheep, but he continued to trust in God. His land was rent. His crops were lost, and orchards and vineyards completely destroyed, but that did not deter him. He continued to trust in God. God. He lost his house and all of his belongings. And guess what? He trusted in his God. 
Many of us are good up to this point, but Job even lost his kids and his grandchildren. But the Bible says he held on to his integrity. He trusted in his God. Now he has lost his health, but never charged God for his agony. He simply said, God, naked came I into this world, and naked shall I return. I shall curse the day that I was born, but I'll trust in you. God, this may be a test, but one thing I want to assure myself, that I do not fail this test by accusing you, God, for my agony. So now Job is sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping the boils on his body with pot shears. Job is passing the test. But his wife looked down and said, Why don't you just curse God and die while Job passed the test? His wife didn't. I want you to be aware of the fact that God is in this place. Working as I have said and I reiterate on your behalf. But God can only bless you if you're willing to pass the test. Job never held anything against God. And because of this, the Bible says that his latter years were greater than his former years. Oh, there was a lot of sacrifice. But yet he held on to his faith. He held on to trusting in his God. He held on to believing that God is working on my behalf. He held on to the fact that God, you're still God. And it does not matter what I am going through. I am going to honor and love you till the day that I die. That's why James 1 and 12, he simply says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, for when he is tried, for when he is tested, when he is going through a lot of turmoil, he shall receive his crown. Why? Because I've endured this. Job trusted in his God. The one who passes the test will receive the crown. They who trust that God has everything under his command will receive the crown. Psalms 20 and 7. David said some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But we, but we, hallelujah, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I guess the question today, what are you going to do when you lose your chariots and your horses?
What are you going to do when you lose your health? What are you going to do when you lose a loved one? What are you going to do when you lose your long life career? What are you going to do when you look and you find that you don't have a 401k? What are you going to do when you lose your car or lose your house? Am I preaching to anybody today? What are you going to lose? Or what are you going to do when you lose your freedom? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to say some trust in chariots and others trust in horses. But we, we, we shall trust in the name of our Lord because the name of our Lord is a strong and mighty tower and the righteous runneth into it. Somebody give me a shout of hallelujah. Stand to your feet and give God some glory. Come on, somebody give God some praise in this house and let him know that we're going to trust in him. Ah, hallelujah. I want to unpack, unpack this thought. In Psalms 37, 21, it says, The wicked borroweth, the wicked borroweth, and payeth not again. But the righteous showeth mercy, and the righteous giveth. The reason why the wicked take is because they do not trust. God has given them a measure of seed or a measure of faith, but they eat the seed rather than plant the seed of faith. So the wicked take the seed and borroweth, but they never pay it back. They take seed, but they never plant. They take blessings, but never use it for the glory of God. Everybody in this house ought to be thanking God for everything you have. You ought to be praising him for the wife or the husband, the children, the house, the job, whatever it is. You ought to be thanking God now. And if you don't have any of that, if you're sitting on a pile of ashes and you don't even have your own health, you ought to say, well, at least God, I still have you in my life. I might not have houses. I might not have riches. I may not have fame. But God, I have you. And that's all that matters. They eat seed. They eat seed. Why? Because they're impatient during the testing time. They're impatient to the growing process. That's why in Psalms 126 and 5, hear me very carefully, church, because I'm speaking not only to the few that I've talked to prior to service, but I'm talking to each and every one of you. In Psalms 126.5, it says, They that what sow in tears shall reap in joy. In other words, you're not going to find any joy until you have some heartache first. 
You'll never know what blessing is until you've gone through, through some hard times. You'll never understand how great God is until your faith has been challenged. Oh, do I get a witness here today? Somebody needs to hear your pastor. If you're sowing in tears, trust me. Hold on. Trust the test because God's getting ready to do something great in your life. He's getting ready to unleash his fury upon the enemy and bring you into his purpose. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. Then he says in the sixth verse, he that goeth forth, he that goeth forth, or she that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious, precious seed shall doubtless come again. Come again. Come again. Come again with rejoicing. Oh, do I get a witness bringing his sheaves with him? He says, when I come back to the house of God, I've been going through it all week long. But when I get into the house of God, I shall rejoice because I planted some struggles and some pain and some hurt in my life this last week. Amen. I know what it's like to bear the burden of tears. I know what it's like to lay my head down on my pillow at night and ask God, why, why, why? I don't understand. I don't understand. I know what it's like to feel all alone. I know what it's like. But he says you need to continue to allow your weeping to be planted because it's precious seed. And I understand that it's not easy. I remember when I first took this church, the majority of the people was against me. And they began to accuse me as a pastor of doing things that I had never done. They just didn't like me. And while I laid my head down on my pillow at night, I said, God, why? Why do I have to put up with this? I can go find another place. I can pastor. I, if I have to evangelize, I don't need this. But God began to talk to me and said, you just hold on, boy. I'm getting ready to do something in your life. The pain you are bearing now is nothing less than the pain Job went through. I'm giving you something that is going to be birthed out of all of your struggle and all of your pain. And now I can say as a witness and bear as a witness, Look what the Lord has done. Ah, amen. He's getting ready not only for what he has already brought, but look at the revival God's given this church. Look at what God is doing in our lives. Look at what God is doing. I'm telling you, he's saying, if you're willing to plant, it may hurt, but keep on planting. I'm getting ready to do something great in your life. Planting tears is painful, but you have to trust it. Trust the test. It's not going to be easy. 
Many times people come to me and ask me for an answer that makes them feel better about where they are. But I can't make you feel better where you are. And the reason I cannot do that is because that is the very thing that you're going through that is planting the seed of your future. That's why God never promised he would take you out of the problem. But he said, I promise you, I'll take you through it. Amen. David, you're going to have to walk through this valley. Uh, you're going to have to walk through this valley. But when you walk, keep your head up. For when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David would declare, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because I know it doesn't matter if the thieves are on the left and the robbers are on the right. It doesn't matter if a bear is in the middle of the path. I'm still going to go down this valley. Why? Because I know God is working. I know God is working. God is working. Oh yeah, it's not easy. It's painful. There might be an encounter with some problems, but I shall fear no evil. Why? For God. I said God is with me. Mm, somebody's getting ready to have a breakthrough in your life. Somebody's getting ready to have a revelation where you're going to understand that what you're going through is the very thing God is allowing so that you can become greater in your faith and in your future and in your walk with God. Psalms 30 and 5 says in the King James Version, and I'm going to read this also in the Amplified Version. It says, for his anger endureth but for a moment. For his anger endureth but a moment in his favor is life. <laughs> then he goes on to say, well, let me read that in the Amplified Version first. So it says this, for his anger is but for a moment. But his favor is for a lifetime. Amen. Now, 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 now get what I'm saying. For his anger endureth for a moment. That's what is called conviction. I'm glad I have a God that will discipline me. Because when I'm ready to walk off the edge, God pulls me back and says, hold on. You get back where you belong. When I'm about ready to walk out in front of a speeding car, he pulls me back and says, don't you do that again. But as you mature in God, you realize his anger is but for a moment. Why is he angry at me? Because he loves you. But his favor is for a lifetime or in his favor is life. That's why it says, weeping may endure for the night. Weeping may endure for the night. But joy comes in the morning. 
I'm glad I've got a God that'll step into this service and not just always make us feel good and make us feel happy but he's a God that'll convict you he's a God that'll pull on you he's a God that'll allow you to go through the things you're going through why? because you're in tears but if you sow those tears he says I then can come and bless you be patient and trust the test Seed, 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 seed. Weeping. The precious seed, weeping, weeping, weeping. Seed. Once it is placed in the soil, it's watered. The seed has to break. You can eat the seed, but you'll never know what it's like to be broken in your faith. Seed, very precious seed. Go forth weeping with precious seed. Once that seed is in the earth, it has to be broken. Once it's broken, I'm talking to you, and it goes to its knees and say, God, forgive me. I'm not worthy. I'm hurting right now. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through, but you're talking to the wrong person. If you say, Lord, here I am. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to leave the church. I'm not going to lose my faith. I'm not going to walk away from you. No, 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 no. Hear what this preacher's saying. Seed has to be broken before there's a germinating process. Life cannot exist until first the seed is broken. Mm. He says it's got to be broken. Uh, it's got to get down on its knees and say, I'm in the presence of the Almighty God who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And while I'm in His presence, I am being broken. All week long, it's been taking me to my knees. But now that I'm in the presence of God, I sow my tears God allows the growing process to occur. Hmm. So we digress a little bit and go right back to Psalms 37, 21. Watch this. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous soweth, showeth mercy and giveth. 22nd verse says, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Amen. 
Yeah. So when the seed is planted, listen to me now. When the seed is planted, that's when the earth can go to work. When the seed is planted, that's when the earth can go to work. Yeah, I got to get this. That's why God had to come in human flesh. Because he was an earth. An earthen vessel. And until the seed is planted, the earth can't go to work on your behalf. Saying, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The earth can only give back when you're willing to plant your tears and your precious seed in him. I absolutely do not believe that we are the tale. But we are the head. I don't believe that the church is just trying to exist. But she's anointed of God. She has power with God. She has been given a place of suffering because God knows that only through suffering can the seed be broken. He says, but great things shall come. That's why some plant and others water, but God gives the increase. Listen to me very carefully. Don't expect people to give back what only God can give you. You're asking from people to bless you when you ought to be saying, God, I need to be broken so that you will bless me. Are y'all still with me? Come on, are y'all still with me? Boy, I'm tying a noose around the devil's neck today. In Psalms 37, 23, it simply says, the steps of a good man. Continue in that verse. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Get this, get this, get this right here, right here. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered. God will order what comes your way. Why does God order it? Does that seem like a mean, honorary, vicious God? No, no. He's ordering it because he needs the seed to break. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and delighteth in his way. And he says, if I can get the seed to break, life can come out of it. 24th verse, though he fall, though he fall, He shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him in his hand. Though he fall, 
It looks like a quitting posture. I'm done. But though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. See, because when you're down, the devil thinks he's won. But when you get back up, you understand a process that the devil doesn't understand. Because he was high and lifted up. He was full of pride. He thought he was entitled. But no, the children of God say, Lord, we're not entitled. We just want to know that if we're broken, can we, can we just be blessed? It's us asking God, Lord, I need a blessing. You don't have to, but if you just find it in your heart today, I need a blessing. But if I don't get it today, I'll show back up Wednesday and I'll call on you again. And if I don't get it next Sunday, I'll come back and I'll call on you again. And if I don't get it this year, I'll come back next year and I'll keep having faith. And when I don't get it next year, if I get it three years from now, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get up. I may fall, but I'm not cast down ah. Ah. I'm going to come back to that in a moment I'm not far from being done but I believe you need to hear this 1 Peter 4.12 says beloved think it not strange don't have this look on your face as to why God didn't come through. And this confused look on your face as to how this could have happened to you. He said, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. He's talking to you. He's getting you and wanting you to understand how you are qualified. You're qualified by fiery trials. It's not strange. He's really wanting to know if you're up to the task. He wants to know if he can trust you with the details of your trial. He's asking the question in this passage, are you paying attention? Can you handle your suffering? Because you are only as strong As the suffering that you are going through. <laughs> are you planting those tears? Or are you allowing those tears to become bitterness? Blaming God. Accusing others. Finding fault. Blaming it on your past. Complaining. Stop. Stop doing that. Because 1 Peter 4.13 says, but rejoice. Rather than complain, rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers with Christ. Don't think it's strange. Know that just as Jesus had to be planted in the earth and had to be broken, that there was no resurrection. But rejoice. You may be partakers of Christ's suffering. Well, this changes everything, in my opinion. 
is that every time I go through something and it hurts and it's painful and I'm weeping, I always have to look back at the cross and say, if this is what I must do is pick up my cross and follow you, let me be able to suffer with you. That when his glory shall be revealed, when his glory shall be revealed, you may also I don't know why people don't have a reason to dance. I don't know why people can't have victory. Why? Because victory is not just the resurrection in itself. It's the faith that put me on the cross in the first place that causes me to dance. In other words, I can dance even in the midst of my cross experience. I can dance even in my persecution. Why? Because I have faith now that the, the seed is being planted. I understand enough about God that if I put my tears in the earth, I'm not going to stay there very long. I'm going to be with Jesus. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And then his, he witnessed, uh, we witnessed his glory. Therefore, we shall be glad also in the things that he suffered that we can also overcome. Ah, amen, amen. Can you be trusted with his, this suffering? Because understand, please understand, that there is nothing you will go through that is not connected to the cross. Everything you're going through right now is directly connected to the cross. And he says, if you're not willing to pick up your cross and follow me, you will never know what it is to eat of the fruit of my resurrection. Amen. When the curriculum or the test is handed to you, what are you going to do with it? Because the glory shall be revealed only when you pass the test. Glory is revealed after the cross. Faith is revealed before the cross, but glory is after the cross. Now let's go back to Psalms 37, 23. Let me break this down. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. I want to unpack this for a minute, this thought. Think about this. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Falling and being cast down are two different things. Number one, falling down is a physical position. When you fall, you fall down physically. Y'all with me? When you fall down, you are physically falling. That can be things around you that you allow to affect you physically. But being cast down is completely different. Falling down is from a physical position, but being cast down is a mental condition. You can't keep from falling 
But are you going to allow your fall to mentally defeat you? This is, this is where we really define the line here as to who is really going to live for God and put God first and, and live for him with everything you have in you. It's not because you fall. And God help us that the churches that judge you because you fall. Help us. Help us. Because it's not the fall we need to be focusing on. We ought to be focusing on why are they staying there. We need to be a church that says, come on, we're behind you. We want to get you back up because we want to change their mind. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. We don't want you to be cast down in your own thoughts. We want you to trust and we want you to believe that God is able. I want to propose to you that others cannot cast you down. I don't care what they say about you. Your mama, your daddy may have abused you, but that has nothing to do with who you really are. You may have had an auntie or an uncle or someone sexually abuse you. That has nothing to do with who you are. I'm trying to get you to think right, to change your way of thinking. Why? Because I believe that if we can get it in our mind that I shall not be defeated, I am not going to be cast down. It doesn't matter what people in the church might say about you. It doesn't matter about that pharisaical spirit across the church of people that want to judge you according to where they're at in their walk with God. It doesn't matter. Quit worrying about what everybody else thinks and what they're saying. Quit worrying about your reputation. Live for God and your reputation will take care of itself. You don't have to defend yourself. Just get on the cross and God will fight your battle in the resurrection. Come on, Sister Williams. God will fight your battles. God will fight your battles. Amen. Quit worrying about what everybody else is saying. Amen. You say, well, I don't want to go back to that church because people are talking about you. Quit it. You're going to lose your soul over what others are saying. Just get in the house of God and live for God to the greatest of your ability. See, when it says, the Lord upholdeth him with his hand, he holds us up. This can only happen when you take his hand and trust his test. When you don't get the right answer, he's still God. Then he goes on to say, I'm about ready to conclude I have been young. That's true. And now I'm old. Hold on. Be careful now. I don't want to hear any amens on that part. 
I have been young, and now I'm a little older. Yet have I not seen. The righteous forsaken. I've seen the righteous going through things. I've seen the righteous have to bear great burdens. I've seen the righteous have trials. I've seen the righteous, their lives seem to be falling apart. But I've never seen them forsaken. God has always been there. God is as real as he's ever been. Amen. If God was there for Job, God is there for Rob. If God was there for Job, God is there for Brother Hawks. If God was there for Job, he's there for you. You feel me? First Peter 1 Peter 1.13, concluding scripture. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. He doesn't say get your flesh under subjection. He says get your mind under subjection. You can beat your flesh with the thoughts in your mind. When lust begins to lay heavy on your flesh, you can in your mind say, get thee behind me flesh right now. Quit blaming the devil on your flesh too. Let me just bring that in here. Because a lot of people say, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. The devil can only tempt. He can't make. Oh, the devil made me do it, man. I, I, I couldn't help it, Pastor. I, just, I was trying my best to not do that. Well, don't do it then. Quit doing it. Trust God. Gird up the loins of your mind. Get your thinking right. Then he says, be sober. You know what that sober means? Don't be intoxicated by your own flesh and your own thoughts. Be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, take possession as we all stand. Take possession of your mind. Take the reins of your thinking. Listen to me very carefully because in a, in a world right now, professors are trying to discredit a lot of our college students discredit that there is even a God. Now we have professors teaching biblical theology in our schools that are now trying to tell people that if they don't, if they don't listen to the doctrine that they've created, then you're not going to be saved. Yet, in turn, it's completely contrary to the Word of God. Am I concerned? You better believe I'm concerned. I'm concerned about our college students having a true revelation of truth where they're not just being duped into believing something that's not there. Because if you're not careful, if you are weak in your mind, you let anybody and everybody define who you are. But if you have a strong mind and you're willing to go through some suffering and you say, I'm going to gird up my mind and I'm not going to be intoxicated with anything and everything everybody else is telling me, but I'm going to be sober and in hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto me by the revelation of Jesus Christ.
Mm. Mm. Gird up your mind. You need to know what you believe. I said you need to know what you believe. And the reason I say that is because if you don't know what you believe, someone else will tell you what you believe. You got to know it. And you know this not only by what you intellectually understand, but you know this simply by the Spirit of God that is in your life. So you don't only know it by intellectualism, but you know it by experience. Gird up your mind, loins up your mind. All of the thoughts that are in your mind must come, go ahead, be ready, must come into subjection to the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why I said in our first class this morning, we believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. We also believe, as Peter said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We get that. But the greatest threat, I believe, to the church is when we don't have a revelation of Christ we start taking things out of the truth, little by little. And deem it as though this little phrase of our culture today is, it's not necessary or essential. Non-essential. Non-essential. So as I taught in my morning class today, I told them very clearly that we still preach that you must be baptized in Jesus' name. Why? Because, because when you are not baptized in Jesus' name, then you're not being identified with the burial of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, and I, I, I could go on and on and on, but, but we, we, need to, we need to move forward. But listen to this very carefully. When Jesus said to John the Baptist, baptize me. And John said, oh, no, 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 no. And Jesus said, John, you baptize me. They're trying to tell us it's non-essential, essential, but even when... John didn't understand how important it was. He said no to Jesus, but Jesus says, you need to baptize me so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. All. Not his righteousness. He had righteousness. He was trying to show us that unless it comes into the revelation of Jesus Christ, then you're not girding up the loins of your mind. Get your thoughts right. Get the understanding of this truth and get it in you. And don't let anyone 
whether it's a devil out of hell preach another gospel than what you have heard in this word, then you need to get as far away from that as you possibly can. Get the word in your mind so that it can take control of your body and your flesh and so that you will know that it's all based on the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to gird up my mind. I'm going to trust the test and I'm not going to allow anything to deter me from the revelation I have of Jesus Christ. Job trusted in his God. He trusts the test. If you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are. As many of you who would like to come down here, we're asking you to move in here as close as you can. Now, if you're uncomfortable with that, we completely understand. And you're being cautious, we completely understand. But for all of those that, that want to step out, please step out quickly. Step out quickly. Step out quickly. There's some that need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there's others that just need a true hand of deliverance here today. Wait on the Lord.
so I'm gonna wait 